Welcome to the Awesome Dad Show. I'm your host, Mark Savant. Today's guest is James Breakwell, or better known as Exploding Unicorn. James is perhaps one of the most popular dad comedians on the market. He has well over a million followers on Twitter. He has written three separate books, all of which have sold very well, and he's just a hilarious dude. You are going to really enjoy today's episode as he just makes light of a lot of the stressful situations that parents can get into. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We had a lot of laughs and just talking about some of the crazy things that kids do. And I think it's a a really healthy way of handling some of the stress that you can get into as a parent. If you enjoy the episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash actadad. There you will find exclusive content, a community that's building, and you could just help give back, whether you're in the $1 tier, the $25 tier, whatever you decide is best for you. I really appreciate your support. And then lastly, I want to personally invite you to head over to Facebook and join the Actadad Awesome Dad Group. It is a great resource for fathers. There are tons of awesome dads in there, and we're just there to help support and get through fatherhood as best we can. Enjoy the episode here with James Breakwell. Make sure that you follow him on Twitter and social media under Exploding Unicorn. And without further ado, let's get into the interview with James Breakwell. James Breakwell, welcome to the Awesome Dad Show. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Really excited to chat with you. I've been dying over the last few days as I crack up over your Twitter feed. That's a work of art, brother. How, how did you get into Twitter? I'm curious. I uh, I jumped on there originally to promote my blog, which has long since ceased to exist. But yeah, I was I was writing comedy about everything. I hopped on Twitter to try to share some links, and then I realized, oh, you got to actually post jokes here too. And uh, gradually, I started posting more and more stuff on Twitter, and it kind of took over my life. And and now I'm here. So it was just an addiction that never went away. Now, what impact have your kids had on on your comedy, your comic? goodness, if you would, because I find that a lot of great comics are just talking about their own life. Like, how did it evolve when you when you had kids come in the picture? Well, originally, I was writing about everything. And I, I just tweeted about this and that I didn't get a big reception to it. But uh, once I really zeroed in on the kid humor, that's where I got a response. People really related to that. Everybody thinks their kids are kind of uniquely weird and crazy. But it turns out all our kids are, are weird and crazy in the same way. It's kind of the, the frustrations of parenting, the uniqueness of parenting is kind of, it's universal and people can really relate to it. So that, that's how I was able to find my audience. And it really, it's almost like an online support group. So no matter how bad my day is, there's somebody out there who will comment that they've had it worse. So that's, that's always a little bit of a relief to know you don't have it as bad as somebody else. A little bit of the, the short, the, I can never say that joy, that German word, the Schadenfreude. I, I <laughs> you know which one I'm going for here, the one where you delight in someone else's pain. The Schadenfreude. You know, my I'm my grandma is completely German. I always do Oktoberfest, but I'm not familiar with that term, so I'm going to have to study <laughs> up on that one. So you've got four daughters, right? Yes, four four girls. Does it ever feel like you're just completely outnumbered and overwhelmed by having four girls? What's it like having four girls in the house? It's, uh, I mean, I, I feel outnumbered all the time. There's just a, a constant swirl of little people around me trying to get my attention. You throw the pets in there as well. There's just a lot of small mammals walking around my house. 
Uh, but for the most part, it's manageable. You know, if you get a screen in their hand of some kind, they kind of separate themselves. But then again, uh, activities that should be solo, you know, getting ready, getting dressed in the morning, every morning, it's just a, a giant fight with it. And I don't know why. It's like you can get dressed on your own. Why are you fighting with your sister? You don't share clothes. You have nothing to do with each other during this process. But yet somehow every morning routine is fight clubs. So that's, that's my life at, at 6 a.m. It kind of reminds me of my childhood. I had a brother and we were always fighting each other. I actually stabbed my brother with a sword once. It was his fault. <laughs> his, it was your fault, John, if you listen to this. Um, but now I've got a three and a half year old daughter and an eight month old son. So I'm just ready for the MMA matches to start. I know they're. Let's, let's go back to that sword. Do you like a real sword you stabbed him with? Yeah. So my dad was in the Navy and he had this like show sword, if uh -huh. you would. It was kind of like a decorative sword. Uh -huh. And I don't know how or why, but I got it out of his closet and we were kind of <laughs> playing with it. And my brother thought that I would put the sword down when he walked straight at me. And my resolve was stronger. Although <laughs> he was... That story is completely believable because you had no motivation behind it. Like that's the key component of childhood. Why did you do that? I have no idea. Of course you got the sword. Of course you stabbed your sibling. Where'd you get him at? Uh, well, it was, I just held it at, at uh, chest level and he just walked right into it. He, <laughs> oh, he, he stabbed himself. I see how it yeah, is. It was kind of like a challenge. I got in trouble too, believe that. <laughs> but we had this kind of like challenge. We were both like a challenge of wits, a battle of wits. And I guess we both won, but <laughs> he won because I got in trouble. I got grounded. I had to write an essay. So Ooh, I've never had to make my kids write an essay. I had to. Well, my one daughter had to write like three sentences for Sunday school the other day, and she missed that Sunday school session, so she had to write it at home, and you would have thought we were trying to pull her fingernails out. It was like some sort of extreme torture session. So, uh, yeah, I, I do not have enough willpower to make her sit through a whole essay. So props to your parents. That's, that takes some commitment. Yeah, they made it happen. I mean, why is that, James, in your opinion? What is it about kids that the smallest task seems to be just monumentally difficult and challenging. Why, why is that? I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's a power play or if they just feed off our frustration or what I kind of, I kind of suspect it's that like my kids don't eat the food I cook for them every day. They don't die. They just, they refuse to eat it. They throw away entire meals and yet they seem to gain more energy from it. So the more frustrated I am, uh, the more powered up they are. I think that's the secret. They just, they just feed off the energy they, they sap for me. Yeah, it must be. I mean, my daughter will is like on strike from pizza. I don't know whoa, a kid that doesn't like pizza. She won't eat pizza, man. What's up with that? It, she might be an alien. You should probably get her DNA tested, see if she's been replaced. Yeah, I probably should because I was there when it happened. Like, man, both when it happened. And, yeah. The, the, then again, one of my, my seven-year-old the other night said she didn't like macaroni and cheese, so I have no room to talk. Like, it's been her favorite food her entire life, and all of a sudden one night, nope, she doesn't like macaroni and cheese. Like, okay, I'm, I'm sure. That, that, that makes sense. All right. Yeah, kids are a bit bit funny like that. They're they're a bit fickle, if you would. Yes. It's 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 amazing. So is that kind of the inspiration for your book, How to Save Your Child from Ostrich Attacks, Accidental Time Travel, anything else that might happen on, on Average Tuesday? Yeah, it's kind of an outgrowth from my my first book. My first book was How to Save Your Child from uh, the Zombie Apocalypse. And uh, I thought, it wouldn't it be fun? That, that book, it was a whole book about one scenario. And I thought, what if I wrote a whole book about like 90 or 100 different smaller scenarios? Now, How to Save Your Child from from being thrown back into the middle ages, how to save your child from, uh, from a tiger, how to save your child from a woolly mammoth, how to save your child from alien abductions, just any kind of crazy scenario I could think of it. Let's put a kid in here and a parent and let's see what happens. And so it was just, you know, through the little three or four or five paragraph bursts of kind of insane logic for what would happen. It was, it was a lot of fun to write. Hopefully it's a lot of fun to read. 
Well, I think so. It seems like it sells really well. It's very popular. You're on your third book, so you got to be doing something right. Yeah, at and, some point. They, they probably should have cut me off about two books ago, but you know, that's not my problem. That's on the publisher. <laughs> so I have a question. It seems like there's a lot of parenting books out there. There's a lot of how to be a good parent, how to, how to parent, this sort of thing. Do you feel like people take parenting almost too seriously sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I wrote an entire book. My second book was called, uh, you know, Bare Minimum Parenting, How to Save Your, uh, How to, how The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. I've, I've got, these titles are so long, even I forget them. I was trying to read it here off the, the cover of the CD case. But yeah, that, that was the whole premise of that book, that everybody tries to push their kids so hard and give them every advantage and every leg up. And I think ultimately you're probably better off and your kid is probably better off if you just chill out a little bit and give your kid a little bit of breathing room. I mean, all that extra pressure really doesn't get them any further ahead in life. In the end, we all... We all kind of average out to be a mediocre adult. So, so what's the rush? <laughs> That's fair enough. And Gary Vaynerchuk has this point that most parents are just trying to live vicariously through their kids, which is why they push them. It's kind of like their ego, like my kid got straight A's. My kid's better than your kid. And yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't know that it does any favors for your children. No, to, I'm trying really hard not to live through my kids. I mean, my Twitter account notwithstanding, like I hated school. And now when my kids ask me for help with their homework, it's like, ah went to school once I'm not doing this again I, I didn't I didn't realize you know once your own kids get to school like how much you're in school with them like school breaks dictate your schedule and there's there's just no wiggle room around at school extracurricular activities like man I was so glad when I got out of school now I'm kind of back in it for 18 years so I try very much to be hands-off but I I definitely see a lot of parents taking the opposite approach and I, I do not envy them at all yeah I mean I never necessarily hated school there were courses classes I liked better than others, but I am definitely not looking forward to my daughter bringing home algebra and algebra two and all that because she's going to get a real dose of reality as to how advanced <laughs> I am at, at that point. You know, kids kind of see their parents as like superheroes. And then I think that's going to, that kind of takes parents down a, a notch when we get there. So you know, kind of segue or push that point forward a little bit more, James. I'm curious, like there's this interesting dynamic when it comes to parenting where mothers take parenting and their kids way, way, I don't want to say too seriously, but very, very seriously. And dads are just kind of like, ah, throw, throw a bandaid on it. They'll be all right. Do you think that that's a good thing, a bad thing? Do you think they even out? What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I think every every marriage and every parenting relationship is a little bit different. I think socially, it's more acceptable for dads to push their kids harder in sports to be the parents standing up there yelling, and you know maybe moms push them harder in school. I, I don't know how it works out. My wife and I are both pretty pretty laid back on that. I think the, the fewer activities our kids do, the happier we are. Uh, but I think in general, it probably pays to have one parent who's a little more worried and one parent who's a little more laid back. That way they cancel out. If a situation calls for worry, you got it covered. If a, if a situation calls for relaxation, you got that covered too. And, and no matter what happens, one parent's right and one parent's wrong. Keep those fights rolling. So you got, you got it all that way. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And, and communication is key because, whew, man, hell hath no fury like your wife's scorn. That's for sure. Yeah, I think, a, kids definitely put a put a whole different strain on the marriage. And I, I think it's important too when you do that. You, you got to kind of make sure you maintain the relationship as well, just between you and your spouse. It, it's real easy. You see a lot of people just get totally swept up in their kids' lives, and it's like, yeah, yeah. kids are great. You gotta you gotta maintain your own self as a as a separate person too. If you if you solely define yourself by your kids, at some point they're going to turn eighteen and move out. You're like, whoa, who am I at this point? And you and it, it's kind of interesting on Twitter. You get people of all ages, and you you see the empty nest tweets and all that's like man yeah 
this is going to happen at some point. That, and some people look forward to that with fear and trepidation. I, I kind of look forward to it as the finish line. I'm, I think I will be more than ready when my kids move on. I, I will be okay with that breather. Yeah, unless they end up living in the basement or upstairs till they're that's 35. why you gotta make sure to have a terrible basement. My basement's too creepy. They can't live here. So that's why I can't move it. It's the only guarantee they'll move out. There you go. So do you put effort into your relationship with your wife then to make sure that you don't lose it? Yeah, we we uh, we do a lot of stuff together. Every every uh, Saturday night, we make we block it out. We don't go out and do stuff. That's our night to stay in and uh, and have some drinks and and watch bad '80s movies. That or sometimes good good '80s movies. You never know what you're going to get. But that's that's our our Saturday night ritual. And uh, Friday night, we play Xbox together with a bunch of my buddies from high school and college. So we've got kind of two nights a week where we make sure the kids are in bed and we're doing something separate. Then during the day, Saturday, we try to do more family activities with everybody. So we try to block out that time. You got the time for the whole family and then the time just for me and the wife. So it, it, it works out pretty well so far. She's not sick of me yet, but I guess we'll see. We got a lot of years left to get through. Yeah, it depends how many times you headshot her in Fortnite, right? Like you're getting oh, close. To that. <laughs> no Fortnite in this house. That's a bad word here. We, 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 do, we do Halo. We're, we're too old for Fortnite. Classic, classic. Oh man, the hours, the hours I've spent playing that game and fun stuff, fun stuff. And man, finding a, a woman that plays video games too. That's a, you knocked it out of the park there, James. I think you did a great job. Yeah, she uh, she didn't play at first when we started. We 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 dated in college, or she got into it. She her her specialty was guarding the flag with a shotgun. She was our default camper, and that came in real handy. And uh, now we mostly, uh, I mean, we're we're the old people on Xbox Live. Now we get on there and we got thirteen year olds blowing us away. But we've been playing this game longer than some of these kids have been alive, which is it's just really kind of a, a mind warp. But we're mostly on there just to socialize and hang out with far flung friends. But we do sometimes win games, which is nice too. That's great. A great way to connect. So speaking of playing online, talking with other kids online, if you would, do you ever get worried about your kids getting online? Because some of the language that goes on in those, uh, in those live chats is, can be a very extreme, right? Um, yeah, my, my kids don't play anything online yet. They, they play Minecraft, but they just play it by themselves here. Or they watch YouTube videos and who knows what garbage they get through that. It's, it's really hard to filter out good from bad on YouTube. Uh, but we, we try not to let them watch shows with too much swearing. But then one day I heard my seven-year-old like in a sing-songy voice singing the F word over and over and over again. <laughs> like she didn't learn that from me, did she? No, she learned it from her friend at school. Like you, you really can't keep it. I mean, unless you're gonna raise your kids in a bubble, at some point, they're going to hear these words and figure out if they're going to use them or not. So it's uh, the corruption of the children is inevitable. I think all you can do is, is slow it down a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of the challenge I think as a parent, because you, you kind of want to protect them from everything, but eventually they're going to get hit in the face, right? Or stabbed in the chest with a sword. Like, like me. <laughs> eventually something's going stab, to happen. Stab themselves in the sword as we established earlier. You were blameless. <laughs> I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. <laughs> Although we can ask my 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 six year old brother at the time, he probably you were, he, you were in lawyer mode. That's respect. You were what were you in kindergarten or first grade at that stage, and you knew you knew how to put up a defense. <laughs> to this day, I'm sticking to my story. All right, exactly. <laughs> Consistency is key. You know it. You know it. I have another question for you. I, I noticed that, and I'm kind of in the same boat. We we share. We're kind of like sharing our lives online, right? So our kids are online and whatnot. Do you ever need any blowback from people saying, hey, you shouldn't share photos or video of your kids online and that's not a cool thing to do? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, every, every, every once in a while somebody will post on there like, oh, by the way, you're going to get your killed, kids murdered. Have a nice day. And the, the creepiest people are always the one 
who, who like try to phrase it like they're doing you a favor. I've had uh, several people try to track down my home address just to prove it could be done. Uh, and they're like, oh, look at this look, nice thing I've done for you. It's like, yeah, that's really not so nice. I'm going to go ahead and block you now. So, so there's definitely that out there. You got to kind of be vigilant. But I, I mean, ultimately, nobody is all the way off the grid. I think if, if somebody tries hard enough to find you, there's probably no way to, uh, to, main, to, to be completely secret, uh, whether or not you post a picture of your kids. And, and ultimately, I don't think it's the pictures of my kids that would give them away. I mean, even when I would go to pick up my kids from daycare a few years ago, you go in there and you shortly little blo- you know brown haired girls so you have to be careful not to come home with the wrong one you, they're kind of they all kind of look the same uh, but you know I try not to give away enough details that to a, a an average person can find us that easily now to your obsessed stalker crazy person can they find you yeah there's probably no stopping that but I would like to think we weed out maybe 99% of the slightly less stalkerish people that's probably that's probably a good percentage because yeah. I mean in this day and age I think people like the idea of privacy I just I just don't know that it's going to be possible anymore. Well, yeah, and I had a friend who uh, who would like refuse to post a picture of his baby on on Facebook for like a year, and it's like, what what did that accomplish? I mean, really, if somebody's out there looking for pictures of babies, like there's there's a billion other pictures of babies anyway, and ultimately your baby looks like all the other babies. Like when I look back, I was organizing pictures earlier tonight. And I look at my kid, uh, like a picture, a baby picture of my kids. I can't tell which kid it was. And like, I made that kid or at least helped make that kid. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, all of our children are a little bit generic to a degree. So I don't know that posting pictures of them is such a, such a terrible thing. I definitely don't either. I think that it, it allows your kids to kind of live in perpetuity. So you can go back or your, you know, your grandkids yeah. can go back and see p- pictures of your kids when they're young. Um, so I think there's a lot of value. I also think it's m- perhaps valuable that they start developing a personal brand when they're young. Yeah, I got to monetize that early. <laughs> yeah. I think if I didn't take pictures, if I didn't post pictures of my kids on social media, I don't know if there'd be any pictures of my kids. Like, I, I don't know yeah. that we printed any pictures of my fourth child yet. Like for a, the longest time, we only had, we, we, we got up to kid number three. And when we were at kid number three, we still only had pictures on the wall of kid number one. Like after that first kid, you just really lose the motivation. So at least with social media, I'm still taking pictures. I'm not actually printing them, but at least posting them here or there. So there is a record. These kids did exist. They did have a child. <laughs> So at least we've got that going. <laughs> That's, I like that logic. I like that logic, James. So let's talk about mistakes. You know, parenting is, is one of those things where for some people it comes naturally. I can kind of tell just by chatting with you and, and researching a little bit that a lot of this comes naturally to you. Um, but has there ever been something that like a mistake that you made that you're like, wow, you know, I kind of learned from that because my daughter did X. Is there anything that jumps out as something that you maybe mistake on? Every, and, uh, and every day it's a new and different mistake. But I, one of the ones I learned early on, my kids have been watching TV or playing X. They've been doing it all day on a Sunday. I was like, that's it. You guys have had too much screen time. No more screen time for the rest of the night. And the next two hours were just miserable because they had all this energy pent up from all day and they weren't distracted at all. So they were all in one place, rustling around the floor, screaming and fighting. I felt like everybody go to separate rooms and watch TV. We gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta, I, I realize that screen time, it's, it's not necessarily something bad. It's, a, it's an aggression management tool. If, you, if you're trapped <laughs> inside, you can't send them out in the yard to play. Sometimes, sometimes screens are the best way to, to maintain your sanity and to keep your kids from destroying the house. Wouldn't debate that. I, I it, although it kind of scares me sometimes. My daughter will be like you said, jumping all over the house, like tearing down the walls. God forbid I try to take a nap. It's just not yeah. happening. 
then I put the TV on and it's like, she becomes a zombie and it's like nothing else matters anymore. It's, it's kind, of, kind of wild how that happens. Yeah, I try to I try to get my kids to play video games. They like Minecraft. And in my mind, that's just like playing Legos. Like that's the perfect middle ground. Like I would have I would have killed when I was their age for a for a world you could walk around in and build anything. My my oldest daughter is really into that now. My second daughter is a little bit. Uh, but to me, it's like, all right, you want to play Minecraft? You have unlimited Minecraft time. That's fine. Even TV, I don't mind too much. YouTube is what gets me that it's just it bothers me one because I'm jealous of the people making all the money on there, but two, it's just such low quality content. And it's just so asinine. It's like, if you have to fill your head with something, at least fill your head with something that was like a professionally written script with some production values. Don't, don't go and follow these people who they're making money just opening toys that you already own. That, that drives oh. me crazy. I try, I just don't even let my daughter on YouTube anymore. Cause I got so sick of that. Like you put on a show that you're like, okay, this is a Disney show or Disney movie. Yeah. It's got some storyline. You pop back in three minutes later and she's watching someone who doesn't speak English opening up toys and be like, cha, 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 cha. like, what is this? What is this madness? This nonsense? I, I don't get it. I'll tell you, the ones my kids, we've got a, a nighttime ritual sometimes where they, have you seen these satisfying videos where people do like this kind of Zen like therapeutic stuff, like squishing, th- uh, you know, squishing slime or putting like perfect cake toppings on. It's all set to like this soothing techno music. And uh, I, was, I was out late the other night, and uh, my wife said, okay, the kids can come up and cuddle with me in bed. And I came back, and the, that video was just playing on an infinite loop, and they were all asleep <laughs> in bed. Like, that stuff, I don't know how anybody can ever have problems sleeping when those videos exist. You turn those things on for two minutes, and everybody in my house is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah you ain't kidding. And I think it's balanced, too. Like, I, I think it's all, everything should be a balance, because we're, we're moving into this world where everything is digital and it's going to be progressively more and more and more digital. I don't think there's any stopping that. So I think you need to strike that balance between allowing your kids to understand how the internet works, how digital media works, but, but also getting them outside and moving too. I think Mm -hmm. it's uh, striking that balance. Yeah. So as far as uh, humor goes, James, how important do you think humor has been to you in being an effective parent? Uh, it's definitely my coping mechanism. It's, it's kind of my either or scenario, either things are going to go well, or I'm going to get a great tweet out of it. So it's a, it's a wonderful consolation prize for those situations. Uh, there are definitely times I wish I could use more humor. I think my children are scientifically designed to test your patience. And sometimes you can make it through one of them testing you just fine. Then the second one jumps in, you're like, okay, it's close to the limit. And then by the third kid, you just lose it. It just, they team up. It's never (laughs) one kid being bad and three kids being great. It's like, if they decide to be terrible they're all terrible at once and it just uh it's not like they're four times as bad it's like they're 16 times as bad there's definitely like an exponential factor there so yeah humor definitely helps me uh maintain my composure more than i would otherwise and if anything i need more humor i, I got to keep working on it as, as they get bigger as they get bigger vocabularies as they find more ways to push those buttons that <laughs> the, the yeah. challenges go up every day yeah, and I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head there, man. You you've got to find ways to cope with the stress because if you don't, you're just you know, your head's going to explode like a unicorn, right? You got to yeah. <laughs> you got to figure reference. Yes, yes, it'll be a bunch of colorful confetti. Yeah. I don't know if people, how people who take themselves so seriously ever make it through. Maybe that's why they stop at one kid, but yeah, if you, mm-hmm. especially with multiple kids, if you can't laugh at stuff, you're just going to have a nervous breakdown. 
did you ever expect that you were going to have four kids or you and wife like, yeah, we'd like to have kids. Then all of a sudden, we, uh, yeah, we, we wanted three or four kids and we got married. We thought we'd have three or four boys though. We, we, I I grew up and the first half of my family was all boys. That's the siblings who I'm closest with. And I just assumed we'd have the same thing. And we had the complete opposite. I, I had no idea what to do good with girls, but luckily it's, it's not any different than raising a, you know, a boy. It just, uh, yeah, you love them, you give them your lightsabers and Harry Potter and you set them loose and you hope they turn out okay. And that's about all there is to it. It's fair enough. I, yeah, I mean, when I, when I became a father, I was kind of in that same mode, expecting to, to have a son and I was all geared up to you know do that. And then I had a daughter and I kind of didn't know what to do at first, but it kind of came naturally. You know, doing this interview show and talking to awesome dads has given me a lot of dad advice, if you would. But there's something special about having a daughter, man, it's like, it, there's something very special about it. Yeah, there's definitely a, definitely a connection there. Although, I, I mean, I've never had a son, so I guess I can't, I can't compare it to the alternative. I'm sure parents with sons love their kids just as much too. Yeah, of course, of course. So I, I got another question here before we get into the rapid fire in a moment, James. You're doing a lot of different things here, right? You're on YouTube, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're writing books, you're, you're at home, you're doing date night twice a week. Holy, holy cow, props to that. How do you, like, what's a tip? How are you managing all these different uh, plates? How are you balancing all the plates? Well, for a long time, I just didn't sleep. And that was, uh, and that, that was okay. I didn't, I didn't need as much sleep as some people. But then recently, I tried an alternative approach. I tried sleeping more. And it kind of changed my whole perspective. Uh, you know, and in terms of actual productivity hacks, I, uh, I got a, a Chromebook, just a laptop. So I learned to write books on my phone and I, uh, at first I was using my finger and swiping so I could do it, you know, you're at the park or wherever else, you don't have to be at home to write. Then I learned to use voice to text and that tripled my productivity. And then I got mm. this, uh, this laptop that's lightweight and I could take it places and sneak it and I just like, and, and uh, it's really gone up. So every Saturday I try to take the kids someplace. And I love taking like an indoor park or a children's museum or something, I can sit there and watch them and I can pound out a couple chapters in a book and you really, you kind of take care of two things at once. I take care of work and I take care of family time all at once. Uh, it also helps that work and family time are kind of one and the same. It's like I'm watching my kids, but I'm also collecting tweet material as we go. Uh, so it definitely works. Like if, my, uh, if my, my job was like an investment banker, I don't know that that works so well. Like watching your yeah. kids in investment banking don't go well together at all. But watching your kids and writing books about kids, hey, that, you know, there's, there's no conflict there at all. You can, you can kind of double time it. Do you ever run your jokes by your kid and say like, hey, this is the joke and do you ever try that out? I know they're more into YouTube than they are into yeah, Twitter. They, uh, yeah, they, they don't really care about Twitter at all. But sometimes like I, if I say a video, it's like, all right, let's do this on camera. And, they, and they'll go along with it, mostly for ads. I'll try to coach them for things like that. But like on regular videos, if I try to get them to do something on purpose, they almost never do. It's, it's, it's usually for the best on videos. If I just turn them loose, let them do whatever they want. And I follow them rather than them following me. They, they, that way it comes off more naturally. It lets the, their kind of natural, spontaneous humor come out. You can really tell the difference in the video. And usually it ends with them smacking me in the head. So maybe we shouldn't <laughs> be quite so spontaneous. <laughs> A little spontaneity, but yeah. uh, maybe not too much. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I so James, where can everyone find you? Where's the best place to know more about Exploding Unicorn? Uh, well, you can find my latest book, How to Save Your Child from Ostrich Attacks, Accidental Time Travel, and Anything Else That Might Happen on an Average Tuesday at uh, most online retailers or your traditional book and, uh, brick and mortar stores. You can find my website, explodingunicorn.com. 
You can find me on Twitter at Exploding Unicorn without the E or search for me by Exploding Unicorn on Facebook or on Instagram, search James Brake. Well, I'm kind of all over the place. And uh, probably the best place to learn about me is my newsletter, which if you go to my website or my Twitter account, it's right there at the top. And every week I kind of write out long form what happened, a 2,000 to 3,000 word you know, list of funny stories that happened, what my kids destroyed this week, what my pigs destroyed this week, all that good stuff. Love it. Before I get into the rapid fire here, how did you come up with the name Exploding Unicorn? Where did that come from? I, uh, in high school, I started writing a fake book of the Bible. Uh, and uh, one of the passages was about unicorns filled with hydrogen. And it ends with, and that's where we get the, stay, the saying, it exploded like a unicorn. And uh, years later, when I started my blog, and then eventually my Twitter account, that image always kind of stuck with me. So that's, uh, that's what I used. It's good. Good. Good, good, good. All right, cool. James, it's time for the, the acted ad rapid fire. You ready? All right, let's do it. I'm ready. What's your favorite story to tell to your kids? Favorite story, I like Goodnight Moon. They're a little old for it now, but uh, man, you could get through that thing in 30 seconds and get them to bed. And that, that's all I'm looking for in a children's story. They're definitely, but I don't know what these children's book authors are thinking, but some of the books are just... Yeah, Cat in the Hat, 75 pages. I cannot, oh, that's like a three-day reading expedition. You can't do that one. Yeah, I, I can get through Cat in the Hat pretty quick, but some of those Dr. Seuss books are really yeah, tricky. It's like, this, this should be a chapter book. <laughs> you got to cut this off at some point. Yep, yep. Uh, who's your favorite comedian? Uh, for a stand-up comedian, I, I like Ricky Gervais, actually. I, I love a lot of his stuff. I can dig it. Would you like pineapple on pizza? Yay or nay? No, never, never, never. We had a wrong and wronger episode, and I think I argued against it. I, I don't know. The coin flip determines our position. But yeah, in general, the less fruit, the better. Yeah, so before I get into the final question here, podcast. You host a podcast also, or are you guest on a podcast? Yeah, yeah, I've got two podcasts nobody listens to. One is Wrong and Wronger, and me and my co-host Steve Olivas, we just argue about stuff like is a hot dog a sandwich, or which are worse, bees or wasps, that kind of thing. And then uh, we've got another one we do together, because he's actually a, a, a licensed psychologist. The other one's called 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage. And uh, we just do a quick 10-minute hit where uh, somebody sends us in a question, a relationship issue, and we try to solve it. Uh, and that one's not determined by a coin flip. He gives his real advice, and then I give my comedian advice, and we try not to, not to ruin the relationship. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, so far, nobody's messaged us to say that they've gotten divorced specifically because of us, <laughs> so we're probably okay. I like how you have a little disclaimer at the beginning of, this is not medical advice. You uh, yeah, he made, he made me put that on there, because you know, he's got a license and all this. He could lose. Like, I got nothing to lose, man. I I got no certifications. I got nothing. <laughs> Just throw it on the table. That's why I, I dig it. I dig it. So if I was to give you a billboard, James, so you could reach millions of people, in fact, you already have someone to billboard. <laughs> if you could have a billboard that could reach everyone in, in the world, let's say, what do you put on that billboard? Uh, I don't, I don't know that I have a specific message uh, that I would put on there. I guess I just, you continue my shameless attention whoring and say, Hey, subscribe to my newsletter. That, that, that's what I would do. <laughs> I don't know. Some, there, there are some, some random signs that always get to my attention. There was one, and I think it was like for a band name or something, but there, when I was commuting to work for like 10 years, I drove by this sign. It was like just a URL for like, like frogband.com. And I, I always said, you know what? I'm going to look that up someday. I'm going to look it up. And uh, 10 years later, I never looked it up. So maybe, Maybe billboards don't look that work that well after all, but it got my curiosity a little bit. Frogband. It was something like I can't even remember it now, so I can't look it up. But yeah, it was like it wasn't like a professional billboard. It was like somebody took a piece of plywood and spray painted it and wrote the URL and just stuck it in a cornfield, and that's what got my attention. 
but not enough attention for me to ever remember it existed when I wasn't looking at it while driving. So right. uh, I guess that maybe if I was a less safe driver, I could have punched it in as my, on my phone as I went. But now we'll never know. I think the sign is down now. So it's just one of those unsolved mysteries that's going to bother me to my dying day. Well, now, thanks. It's going to bother me, too, because now I've got this frog band <laughs> billboard image in my mind. Oh, man. Well, hey, James, it's been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to reading more and more of your tweets. You tweet a lot, too, man. You, you're, you're on it, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you following me, and I appreciate you inviting me to be on here. I, it was fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got as many laughs out of this episode as I did. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. There's a fresh episode every Monday. You can also watch interviews over on the Act Dad YouTube channel where the Awesome Dad Show plays. Your support is tremendously appreciated. Whether you can join the $1 tier or the $5, the $10 tier, please go over to patreon.com slash actedad and find a tier that works for you. Your support matters and it helps us to reach more and more fathers and promote these great family values. Again, I also want to invite you to head over to Facebook and check out the Act a Dad group. The Awesome Dad group is just a great place to hang out and meet other awesome dads just like you. Have an awesome week, and I will catch you next Monday, same place, same time. Peace.